Hello. 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 And welcome to Mobilize. Mobilize is a podcast that puts a spotlight on and is a resource for people, people, friends, communities, communities activists, activists who have decided to stand up, resist, 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 fight back, mobilize. Each day, together, together, we shine a light on the we truth. Shine a light on the we truth. focus on the things that unite us. We pull each other up. We celebrate, we celebrate our, our shared humanity. humanity. Episode 27, Changing the Party from Within. Rachel Eve Stein has been involved in Democratic Party politics in New York for over a decade. She's been a community organizer on progressive issues from affordable housing to environmental justice, has volunteered on dozens of political campaigns, including becoming a Bernie Sanders delegate at the 2016 Democratic National Convention, and now serves on the Kings County Democratic Committee, representing Election District 91. We spoke with her when she was running in the Democratic Party primary for district leader of Assembly District 52 about what these local party positions are and why they matter, what it's like to work in politics both from the inside and the outside, and why we need people doing both to come together to elect Democrats this November. Tell me about your background, how you got involved in activism and politics. Sure. So... I am a super political nerd. I mean, my parents definitely talked about politics a lot around the dinner table, but I just used to be really into watching like Meet the Press and the McLaughlin Group when I was like a child. Somehow that just really appealed to me. And, you know, my parents were Democrats and I was like, that's the choice for me. And it was interesting, right? Because like the Democratic Party of the 90s and early 2000s, I didn't fully feel like I was a part of that. You know where they had those sort of at the dawn of the Internet, they do those quizzes where you say like your beliefs and they tell you who you would want to vote for. And I would always get like the Green Party or whatever. And somehow I just I felt like, no, I want the Democratic Party to speak for me because it seems like everyone I know who's like a good person identifies this way. And now that I'm older and really looking at it from this sort of bureaucratic power point of view, it's like, oh, there's this whole infrastructure that's here and that has decent people in it. Right. And we just need to like get more people in it. Hmm. And you felt like you could do that better from the inside as opposed to working from the outside? Because, you know, obviously yeah. there are a lot of activists who were for progressive groups doing similar kinds of stuff. That was almost like my little rebellion in a way. Growing up in New York City in like super progressive, very radical kind of circles, it was very like straight laced and almost, you know, not radical to say, oh, no, I want to go into government. Right. It just sort of ended up being like this mission for me then. Like, OK, this is what I'm striving towards. and I just kind of kept clawing away at it. And not to say that I don't participate in like the traditional activist circles, but I really believe it all circles back to electoral politics and to the sanctity of the vote. Do you worry about, I mean, especially in New York, where there is sort of a machine and and certainly history of machine politics, do you ever worry about getting caught up in that? And have you seen evidence of that in your work? Yeah. So that's a really interesting thing because I've always been really to the left of the party, right? Like, fallen off the edge. 
I had people telling me, like, when I, I used to work for politicians and stuff, like, why are you here? Shouldn't you be, like, off painting something? I, I don't know. It's just, I got, like, really <laughs> weird feedback despite my enthusiasm because of my beliefs that are now actually quite central to the Democratic Party. And so I'd always been kind of fighting against this machine, so to speak. I was a Bernie delegate in 2016, which is like ultimate sort of fighting against the machine. Although when Bernie lost, I, I didn't want to get on a bus to Philly. That's not how I wanted to spend my Saturday afternoon. But I did it because that's what I felt like I had to do for all of us to survive. I want to go back and talk about your experience of being a Bernie Sanders delegate. How did you get involved in that? How did you become a delegate? And what was your, for people who don't know, what was your job as a delegate? I decided to support Bernie Sanders like in 2015. I can't tell you how exciting it was to hear all these things that I felt but thought like, I can't, I don't know if I can say this out loud. Like to say you're a democratic socialist, socialist, what? Wow. And so I just found the people who were organizing locally for Bernie and went to the meetings and just canvassed. And I actually formed a little group with a few other organizers in my neighborhood. And we just got together some of our friends and some people who are a little less experienced, paired the less experienced folks with more experienced people and just got out there and hit the ground. And that's what it's really about, because you just do that enough and you're around people and they notice that. And so basically, I got appointed as an at-large delegate, which means that I was representing a traditionally underrepresented community in the Democratic Party. I think they slotted me under people under 36. And the Democratic National Convention, that's the annual convention of this organization, the Democratic Party. And you are coming as a representative of that campaign to cast your vote for the campaign. So it's sort of this outmoded thing because everybody thinks of primaries as direct, but this is this kind of formal mechanism for that. Why did you want to do that if it it's a weird part of the process? You know what I mean? It's one that a lot of people think we should get rid of. It was my dream to go to the DNC. I was just growing up for years, like, watching those, their parties, right? I always had this picture in my head of the woman wearing like the donkey hat, kind of dancing like a little offbeat to like everyday people. And you said, I want to be a part of that. And I was like, I want to be there. (laughs) But no, I mean, I just, I wanted to be like amongst all the other organizers and the people that I'd worked with all these years. And I just, I love the idea of being where the action is. And that is the ultimate place, especially in 2016. And so... That was a dream for me to be there. So what was it like? It was like the greatest and the worst. It was the greatest because I got to meet all these people that I had admired. And you get to hear everyone speak. You actually sit in there every day for like eight hours. People don't realize that because you think of like the big primetime speeches. But that thing's going on all day. Right. And to represent the Bernie Sanders campaign and all the enthusiasm that came with that. What was not so great was seeing a lot of the negativity. Like I said, I was not a Hillary Clinton fan, but we had a delegation meeting. It was with the entire Bernie delegation. And, you know, Bernie's talking to us about, oh, we ran this great campaign. It was really awesome. And everyone's like, yay, this is great. And then he goes, and now we have support Hillary Clinton. And so me, if you're a progressive left organizer, you're used to losing all the time and just eating it. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm hot for Hillary. But the whole place 
was just booing super, super loud. And I remember my friend Michelle and I looked at each other like, this is bad. And that was actually the first time where I felt in my body like fear that Trump was going to win. Being on the floor and seeing people boo people who shouldn't be booed. Like, no white organizer, you can't boo Elijah Cummings because he's supporting Hillary Clinton. Like, that's not how that works. No. Then feeling like, this is weird. I don't want to be a person who's shushing other people. You want to be like a disruptor, but like, this is a time where we got to just batten down the hatches here. So that was really upsetting. So what was it like to watch that play out? Because I know you said that had an impact on you and what you decided to do next. I mean, it definitely shook me up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to go and campaign for Hillary. Even with being kind of upset that some people were sort of not staying with it, some people really were or on, were on the fence. And I was like, I have to get these people in. And so I felt even more energized to be involved in the Democratic Party, especially with some of the platform changes and things that we got through at the DNC in 2016. It was like, OK, this is working. I mean, if you look at 2018, if you look at the Democratic primary, you look at the state Senate, too, in New York. We won the state Senate back and it was like a slip and slide of fantastic legislation that got through and is really affecting people's lives. Organizing works. And then it led to you wanting to run for district leader. Yeah, yeah, because I thought I'm still with the Democratic Party and there's still going to be frustrations, but I think we're going in the right direction. And I think that my experience just being a lifelong Democrat as somebody, again, who's really struggled with the party, I felt like uniquely qualified to be that representative. So tell me about that, because I don't know much about the positions in the Democratic Party or how it's organized. What do the district leaders do? You're basically the Democratic representative for that assembly district. Every assembly district has two district leaders, a male and a female, which is a little problematic, which is like something that I've been like really trying to talk about. And you're a part of the executive committee for the Kings County Democratic Party. It's a voluntary position and it's a party position. And they help determine the platform of the Democratic Party. They vote in the party chair, help determine who would fill vacant seats, picking out judges as well. They help staff the polls on Election Day. So it is very, like, grassrootsy in that way. Mm -hmm. It's really just making sure that people know the Democratic Party is working for them and involving people. So why do you think it's a necessary role for the Democratic Party to do this kind of stuff? I think every time you get down another level in terms of grassroots power is really important. So actually beneath assembly districts are election districts, which you'll know if you go to vote and you're trying to figure out what table to go to. So currently I represent my election district as a county committee member. So I get to really work on the super micro level of like a few blocks. And this is kind of just going one rung above, which is it's really important that we have people who can represent all different sizes of communities. Right. And so as someone who decided to take that path and work from the inside out, what do you say to people who think that the institutions aren't working for them and aren't fulfilling the mission that they're supposed to have? How do you get youth inspired to do what you did and become part of the process and try to change that process from the inside? We make ourselves the institution. Like we force ourselves in. That's what I'm trying to do right now. And the only way that I can inspire people is to just have integrity and to do the work. The other thing that I think is really interesting that's been happening on the local level 
is you've got a lot more people getting organized after the 2016 election. A lot of folks who are maybe like read the news and voted, but weren't super, super active. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we got to get in. We got to do something. And sort of discovering the local Democratic Party apparatus, which is great. But then also looking around and being like, why is this so crappy? You know, in what way is it? In what way is it? Crappy? Like just, you know, it can be undemocratic. They're not following their own rules. There is corruption and, and all sorts of things. And then look at the people who have been there working in it for years and being like, what part did you play in this? And it's like, oh, no, we were all the nerds who've been here trying to fight this and not having the support to really get to that tipping point. That's something that I wish some of the newer activists would understand. Do you feel like you are at a tipping point in local politics where you're bringing in enough people to fight that stuff? I think so. I think we're starting to get the numbers, but what we need to get down are the tactics. Because especially think about right now, people are upset and they want to do something, but maybe they haven't been trained yet. And so it's a matter of getting those people in, step one, but also deploying them in a way that makes sense. And what do you say to people who say that if you become part of the institution, you automatically become part of the problem or part of the corruption because institutions are inherently corrupt? Unfortunately, some of that kind of does come with the territory. And that's why politics is the worst in a lot of ways, because once you're in it, you're going to do something that is going to upset someone. And it magnifies everything that we don't necessarily like about our fellow humans. So people are like, oh, politicians are like this and they're like that. And yeah, there are some really problematic personality traits that lead people to run for office. But a lot of times the things that people do that are wrong, it's just you're seeing them. They're out in the open, whereas other people do stuff and you don't know about it. So it's sort of like everyone's terrible, but also by the flip side, everyone can be great, too, at the same time. So if you can't give up on humanity, you can't give up on government and politics. Yeah. And it's just never going to be pure. Nothing in life is going to be black and white. So you either got to try to do something with it and just always keep your trajectory towards justice and towards what you think is ethical and, and moral. So what are the lessons you think that we learned or we should have learned about how we win in 2020? Because unity is a challenge. Obviously, we're not all thrilled about Joe Biden. I've always known you fight, you know, in the primaries and stuff from from your heart. We were Bill Bradley people, my family, when I was a kid, you know, Howard Dean, and they lost. And you go, OK, well, you have to fight for the next best thing. This is like the practical choice. And I think a lot of times some of more privileged activists don't understand that you need to compromise a little bit in order to get the greater good. When no one wanted to talk about gay marriage, for instance, like that's ridiculous. And we just had to swallow that. And that was crap. And sometimes you're going to have to do stuff that makes you uncomfortable. We are all going out full force however we can, however we can contribute. And just voting is not enough. For those who are able to, if you have a free evening, if you have a free weekend, you need to do something. Because at this point, it's not a choice. There's no rules anymore. The only rule is to work hard. So we just have to go all out and dispel all the rumors, have conversations, talk to people. What gives you hope that this it's going to be different this time? 
Um, what gives me hope is that it's been four years since the last election, four more years of young people coming into the process and being able to vote. And I'm excited to bring even younger people into the party. Climate change is a huge issue for me. And younger people are more radical and active about this because it's going to affect them more. They don't care as much about the institutions. We might have been nervous about doing school boycott, whereas now, like for those gun protests, you just saw swaths of kids just leaving. And so it's that kind of boldness that gets me really excited. And I just hope that we can harness that energy. We need that to keep going. And I don't think it means that everyone should be in the institution itself. Like, that's why we need activists, right? Like, we need people to come in there and be like, no. And we're going to vote. Don't do that because we're not going to support you. And so I think it's good that we're holding their feet to the fire. But it is altogether a very different thing when you are, gosh, I could go on about the Nancy Pelosi of this moment, but that is just a different job. And you're just working with a different set of cards. I remember in like 2006 thinking like, she's not radical enough. Like, why isn't she doing this? Whatever. And then I actually worked on the Hill while the healthcare debate was going on. And I saw how she really just looked at the cards that she was dealt. Because when it comes down to it, you have Congress and you have the voting body. And she just squeezed what she could out of who was there. And to a certain extent, you can only get what is available to you. Just like people have different jobs. They have different things that they're good at and not good at. And so I just encourage anybody to leverage their strengths to do whatever they think is going to make a positive difference in the world. But also just like knock on a few doors while you're at it, too. I love that. Thanks so much for being here. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Should embrace us for raising